Hello and welcome to Daily Prayer today for June 23rd, 2021. I'm Reverend Ochart. Glad that you are with me. Let's go ahead and get started. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. You created the day and the night, O God. You set the sun and the moon in their places. You set the limits of the earth. You made summer and winter. Our readings for today are Psalm 15 and 147, verses 1 through 11. 1 Samuel 7, 2 through 17. Acts 6, 1 through 15. Luke 22, 14 through 23. Listen for God's word to speak to you. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? This is Psalm 15, excuse me. O Lord, who may abide in your tent, who may dwell on your holy hill. Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right, and speak the truth from their heart, who do not slander with their tongue, and do not evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath even to their hurt, who do not lend money at an interest, and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved. Psalm 147, 1-11 Praise the Lord! How good it is to sing praise to our God, for God is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. God gathers the outcast of Israel. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God determines the number of the stars. God gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. God's understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. God casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens when they cry. God's delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor God's pleasure in the speed of a runner, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear God, in those who hope in God's steadfast love. 1 Samuel 7, 2-17 From the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim, a long time passed, some twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Astartes from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So Israel put away the Baals and the Astartes, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, 
the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. The people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us and pray that God may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines and drew them into confusion, and they were routed before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as, as beyond Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Jeshaniah and named it Ebenezer, for he said, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The towns that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Akron to Gath, and Israel recovered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went on a circuit year by year to Gilgal, Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would come back to Ramah, for his home was there. He administered justice there to Israel and built there an altar to the Lord. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we for our part will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Procurus, Nacanor, Timon, Parninus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never stopped saying things against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. 
And all who sat at the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And Luke twenty-two fourteen through 23. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another which one of them it could be who would do this. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our readings for today, we kind of skip forward in time for First Samuel. It's about 20 years later. The Ark of the Covenant has now um, been in Kiriath-Jerim. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what that all is about, what the significance of that is, to be honest. So um, that's something to investigate. So it's 20 years later, and Samuel is now rising in, in power. There's a little bit of a power vacuum as Eli and his sons have both died. And the Ark of the Covenant has been taken away from where the tabernacle is. And so Samuel is serving as a judge. This is um, immediately set immediately after the time of the judges. Uh, Samuel is sort of the, the last of the judges and the first of the prophets, really. Um, so he is serving as a, you know, a judge, just like we think of. People would come and bring cases to him, um, wrongful things, or if, if there was some disagreement, something like that, they would go ahead and have that conversation with, um, uh, with Samuel, and, and he would hear their cases, all of that sort of thing. Um, so he's doing that. He's, he's going on a circuit. He's, he's going from one place to another. There are three major places that he goes. Those are in the north, south, and sort of center of the land. So he's sort of spreading this all out and rising in, in sort of prestige. Everybody's going to him to, to really, um, to, to, they respect him as an authority. They respect him as a judge. And there is this point where they're, they are now saying, okay, we're ready to repent of the things that we have done. We have not been worshiping God the way that we should have been. We've been worshiping the Astartes. The Astartes were um, a fertility god of the Canaan, Canaanites. Um, the Baal, which was this sort of phallic uh, pillar that they would worship at. Um, they repent of worshiping all of these gods these idols of the land that they are in, and they are now wanting to return to God. So 
Samuel leads them in that, makes a, um, makes a sacrifice, and calls them back to this covenant, to this way that um, they are supposed to be the people of God. And because of that, there is a direct response. Again, back to that, that which we read in Deuteronomy. Moses says, I set before you life or death. If you serve the gods of the land that you are going to, bad things are going to happen. If you serve God, the living God, then God will watch over you and protect you. And so because of this, because the people have now turned their hearts back to the Lord, now there is peace with the Philistines. They have um, regained some of the land that was taken from them, but that there's this sort of uh, this truce between them that the Philistines are not coming in and trying to invade their land during the time of Samuel. Um, they are at peace with the um, other tribe to the west, the Amorites. And so it's, you know, there's a, it's a time of peace. It's a time of prosperity. Things are going well because they are worshiping the living God. And then we have in Acts, this is the um, institution of deacons. This is... The, the situation is that, as we remember, there's this sort of group, this commune of, of people who follow Jesus, who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Interesting side note that a lot of priests have actually joined into the way. Um, they are also believing that Jesus is the Messiah. Part of this is, and part of their sort of social witness that they have, is that they are taking care of those who are needy among them. And so one of those groups of people are widows, um, who during this time, women had very few legal rights. And so a widow was oftentimes destitute if she doesn't have some sort of family to take care of her. Well, there is a implication at least that they're that the hebrew uh widows are getting more than the hellenist the greek or the roman widows and so this sort of complaint comes up and the decide are the apostles come together and say this is something we need to take care of but this may be not something that we specifically need to take care of um, we can't neglect the the important work of spreading the word by waiting tables, they say, right? So choose from among you men. Yes, they are men, but there you go. Um, who can have this job, who can take care and make sure that everyone is cared for so that we can do our job. This is, you know, the uh, making sure that everybody kind of um, has their roles and that everything works together. Um, this is important. Some of us, that's a really hard thing to do, to, to trust that to someone else. So the apostles are actually showing a really interesting and very healthy way of being that they don't have to do everything. They have a very specific role. And let's find some other people who can do this particular role because it's also important. Um, but our call is to do this. You can do that so that they're making sure that they're doing everything decently in an order and make sure everything's good. One of those who has been cho chosen as a deacon is Stephen. And Stephen, not only does he make sure that all the logistics are working and the widows are taken care of, whether they're Hellenist or Hebrew, but he's also arguing very um, passionately 
that Jesus is the Messiah. And he gets into a particular argument with the, um, the synagogue of the freedmen, as it is called. So what is that? Well, synagogue was, um, we're more familiar with that word, um, but this is during the time when synagogues are starting to open up. So you have the temple in Jerusalem. That's the place to gather for worship. That's the place to gather for sacrifices. That's where you go to a priest. Um, but during this time, there's sort of a growing movement of synagogues where it's kind of like a local church, where this is a, a place, a, a building usually set up in a local town where there might be a rabbi, a teacher, or there could be some priests um, where they can kind of carry on the, the work of how do we live this, this religious Jewish life without always having to go all the way to Jerusalem. Well, this particular uh, synagogue is made up of, we would call them proselytes. These are people from other places who have not grown up Jewish and yet are living a Jewish uh, religious lifestyle. And so they, they are sort of gathered together which maybe gives us an idea of why they're so anxious about this, right? Because this is something that they've, they've given their entire lives to the belief in the living God, uh, to Judaism, and to have these people come in and say that they're missing something fairly major, like the Messiah has come and he's this Jesus of Nazareth, um, doesn't go over very well with them. And they are arguing against Stephen and Stephen is arguing against them. And they run out of arguments because Stephen is arguing so well. And you will see this as a theme, especially in the book of Acts, but in the New Testament in general, when people run out of arguments, they start to look for other ways to get rid of this person. And so they start a whisper campaign and they start saying that Stephen is preaching against, and you'll notice what the charges are. They will sound very familiar from the trial of Jesus, but that he is speaking against the temple and he is speaking against the law or against Moses. Um, it is that will, that it's very much an emotional sort of appeal to those who live a Jewish lifestyle, who are Jewish. Um, those are the two most important things our tradition and our scripture, right? Uh, our law and the, and the temple. These are sacred. These are the things that they kind of make us who we are. And so they bring him before the Sanhedrin. And the, the folks of the Sanhedrin are looking at Stephen and he looks like an angel and he's just about to give his appeal, um, give his defense. And we'll see what happens tomorrow with that. And then we have in Luke 22, this is the institution of the Lord's Supper. Again, rooted deeply in Judaism, this is the Passover meal. It's the Passover Haggadah, where Jesus, as rabbi, is, is remembering and reciting for those gathered, his disciples, the story of the Exodus and the story of specifically that last plague. But what Jesus is doing is something different, something that they are not expecting. What Jesus is doing is taking these elements from this sacred remembrance meal and transforming them into a different kind of sacred remembrance meal. He takes the cup and, and throughout the Haggadah, there are four times where you drink wine. This is one of the ones in the early part of the 
service um, before the meal when they're talking about um, and uh, telling this story. And he says, I'm not going to have this, but you all have it divided among yourselves. Then he takes the bread. This would be immediately before they have the meal itself. And part of the the Haggadah, part of the liturgy, part of the way that this would go is they take this bread and they break it into three pieces. First of all, the bread, uh, we're used to sort of the modern matzah, but it would have been similar. Uh, probably not as crispy, but, you know, there you go. Um, there are stripes in it, and there are holes in it, and it is to be a remembrance of sort of the um, the hardness and the bitterness of the Hebrews' life in under Egypt. It is broken, and in fact, part of that is it is uh, the center part, the ephokim and something like that, um, is wrapped up in a cloth and hidden for a period of time during the meal. So as he does this, instead of just saying, this is the bread of affliction, he is saying, this is my body. Not Not just the bread of affliction of our ancestors, but this is my body that's going to be broken for you. And as his disciples go, "What? we don't understand what you're talking about necessarily. So they do that. They eat the meal, they're, you know, they're doing all of their, of their whatever it is, right? They eat. And then after the meal, he takes the cup, the final cup, which is the cup of redemption, and he lifts it up and he blesses it. And he says, drink this now. This is not just the blood of redemption, this, or the, the cup of redemption. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. And they drink it. And they're not sure what's going on. And he reminds them. Things are bad things are going to happen, right? And one of you has betrayed me. They go, What? What are you talking about? It's interesting that Jesus gathers together with his disciples, knowing that one of them has betrayed him. And yet he welcomes them as friend. And he says, This is all the way things are supposed to happen. It may not be good for the one who betrays me, but this is all the way that God has ordained this. So that's the institution of the Lord's Supper. We are very familiar with that as we celebrate it once a month at least. So those are our readings for today. Let's go ahead and gather together in prayer. Satisfy us with your love in the morning, and we will live this day in joy and praise. We praise you, God, our creator, for your handiwork in shaping and sustaining your wondrous creation. Especially we thank you for the ministry of all the baptized. those who provide for public safety and well-being. Those with whom we work or share common concerns. Opportunities to share good news with others. the treasure stored in every human life. People of God, for what else do we give thanks? We give thanks that uh, Jimmy is recovering from a triple open heart surgery um, and is doing well. Uh, 
he is in ICU currently, but um, uh, but is is doing well. We thank God that Beverly is recovering from a very successful cataract surgery, and Bill continues to recover from his cataract surgery last week. We dare to pray for others, God our Savior, claiming your love in Jesus Christ for the whole world, committing ourselves to care for others in his name. Especially we pray for the church in Asia and the Middle East. Those who seek to save the earth from destruction. Those who work for the benefit of others. Those who cannot work today. All who proclaim your saving love. People of God, for what else do we pray? We pray for Kathy, a friend of Jan Enns, who is hospitalized after a severe broken leg. And for David, another friend of Jan Enns, who is having triple bypass surgery. We pray for Olga. For James, uh, my grandfather, who is recovering from surgery. For John, a friend of Bill's, who has recently lost his wife. For Pam, a friend of Bill's, who suffered a small stroke. For all those who, who are on our hearts and our minds. As you cause the sun to rise, O God, bring the light of Christ to dawn in our souls and dispel the shadows of hatred and fear. Give us grace to reflect Christ's glory and let God's love show in our deeds, his peace shine in our words, and his healing in our touch. And all may give him praise now and forever. Amen. Now let us continue to pray using the words that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless the Lord. The Lord's name be praised.